0: You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Well, today we're wrapping up the series that we've been in for the past few weeks called In the Heights. We've been studying the New Testament book of Colossians, and we've been talking about this idea of a higher view of Jesus for a fresh perspective on life, a new perspective on life. I hope you've enjoyed this series. How many of you have enjoyed this series? I, I've gotten a lot out of teaching it. It's just so good sometimes to get into a book of the Bible and and, and, and read through it, study it. And I want to encourage you to keep this up. Get into, a, get into the Word of God. Get into uh, your next book of the Bible, whatever the next thing is for you. But uh, it's been so great to be in Colossians together. And uh, last week we started chapter 3. And and we talked about who we are in light of who Christ is. You know, most of Colossians, the book of Colossians, is about who Christ is. And then the Apostle Paul makes this shift, which we talked about last week, where he begins to describe, this is how you should live in light of who Christ is. And so today, we're going to talk about how do we do that in our everyday life, not just on Sunday morning, one hour on Sunday morning while we're worshiping and we're feeling the Holy Spirit, but how do we live that all throughout the week in our lives, with our families, in, in our homes? Now, hold that thought for just a moment, how many of you still remember uh, some of the rules that you had growing up when you were a kid? Yeah. yeah. Now we got some kids. We got some kids in the house. You're still living out those rules. My kids are in here. But many of you adults, you, you still remember the rules you had growing up, right? Maybe you had a curfew. Like you had to be inside when the street lights were on. Maybe there were certain words you couldn't say in your house, or you'd get in trouble, right? Maybe um, your parents had a rule like. Uh, You know, no video games until you're finished with your homework, right? Yeah, my parents had rules like that. They had rules just like everybody else. But there were certain rules and expectations in my house growing up that started like this. In this house, come on somebody, in this house, we don't talk like that. Come on. In this house, we eat together as a family, Come on. In, in, this, in the Ziegler house, we go to church on Sunday morning. If you don't like it, when you get older and you leave this house, you can do whatever you want. But in this house, <laughs> anybody heard that phrase before? Some of y'all are like, yeah, oh yeah, Pastor German. Because there were certain things, certain rules in, in our home that weren't just rules. They were about our identity, who we are, about something, our character that our parents were trying to put in, in, inside of our hearts. And so Today in this text that we're going to that we're going to look at Paul tackles this question like what does a Christian household look like? I think if the apostle Paul were talking to us today, he might say in, in this house <laughs> this is what it looks like to live as a follower of Jesus Christ. And so that, that's the question today. What does it look like to, to live this, this out, this new reality, this new identity? We talked about that last week, right? Out with the old and in with the new, that you've put on the new person. You've let go of the, of the old. And so Paul begins to show us how do we actually live that out in our everyday lives, in, in our households, in our families. And so here's the big idea. The way you relate to the people closest to you should be a reflection of how Christ relates to you. Let me say that to you again. The the way you relate to the people closest to you, your family, your friends, your coworkers, the, the the circle around you, the way you relate to the people closest to you should be a reflection of how Christ relates to you. Come on church, we're going to get the gospel into our relationships. It's not just about what God has done between you and him, but the gospel meant to overflow into our relationships, and especially the people who, who we're closest to. How many of you know that your household, your family, is both the most challenging and rewarding place to practice your faith? Anybody know that? Come on, we could change the world if we could just figure out how to get along and love our families. <laughs> it is the most challenging and most rewarding place to live out our our faith but the apostle Paul's going to help us today. Now let me remind you of, of the context. Paul is writing from a place for a purpose. He's writing under house arrest. He's in prison and he's writing to Christians living in this ancient Roman city of Colossae. Now it's really important before we read today's text to remember that Paul's culture was very different from ours. There's a few thousand years separating us as modern day people from ancient Roman times, and this is really important when it comes to the household. when we think about the household, we might think of the nuclear family but in in Paul's time the household was much more much much bigger than that. it might in, include a, a husband and wife and their kids but he might a, 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 a parents might have some legally adopted children they may have stepchildren, they may have servants, they may have slaves that was a reality in, in Roman times, very different from our times in fact this was a very male-dominated culture. It's just the way it was. Women didn't have full legal rights, and uh, women didn't have ownership rights and wouldn't own a business. So most of the weight of culture fell fell on the men, in Roman times, and the practice of slavery was a reality. Now, very different than what we think of in the American context of the Atlantic slave trade, but nonetheless, it was a reality. So I want you to remember this, okay? Paul is speaking transformative truth into a culture that's very different from ours. That's important to remember as we look at today's passage. So we're going to look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 through 25, and then chapter 4, verse 1. Are you ready? Here we go. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Jesus Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there's no favoritism. Favoritism, and then chapter 4 verse 1, masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Okay, so that was a mouthful. Let me go back and address some of the questions that might be in the room. Paul is not saying it's okay for women to have no rights. Paul is not saying that it's right for masters to have slaves. Paul is simply speaking into the moment, into the reality of the culture that he's living in. Okay, Paul Paul has already said that the most important thing about a believer is that you're in Christ. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman or what your socioeconomic status is, your ethnicity, like everyone has full access to the grace of God. Aren't you thankful for that? He says, this is the heart of Paul's message, okay? He's bringing the gospel into the world that he's living in. In fact, here's what Paul said. We looked at this verse last week, Colossians chapter 3, verse 11. He says, here there is no Gentile nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Now, I know some of those are ancient categories, but Paul's saying the things that separate people like ethnicity and class, those things no, matter, no longer matter in Christ. Who you are in Jesus. Christ is the most important thing about you. So we know that's Paul's heart. We know that's his heart behind what he's writing to the Colossians. So the question is what is Paul communicating? Well, Paul's doing something really powerful here. Paul is reshaping the most basic Roman institution, the family household. And how's he reshaping it? He's reshaping it around Jesus who rules by self-sacrificial love. He's doing something really interesting here. He's kind of walking this tension out. He's being careful to to totally lose these Romans that he's writing to and totally revolutionize their culture. He's not trying to change everything in one letter, but yet he's trying to get the gospel into their relationships, which will eventually change everything. And so this is really powerful what Paul's doing. And so here's the idea. A Christian household is a household submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ. This is what Paul says. I want you to see this. A Christian household is submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And so Paul doesn't do away with the Roman family. Paul doesn't do away with our family dynamics today. He transforms it. He wants us to see what family relationships look like when they're under the lordship of Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul actually uses the Greek term, which which is translated for lord, seven times in this passage. There's this really interesting Greek term that's translated Lord or Master. It comes from the Greek word kurios, which means absolute ownership rights. Here's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying if you're in Christ Jesus, he has absolute ownership rights over your home, over your marriage, over your family, over every area of your life. And so Jesus wants to bring your family under his lordship. And I want to tell you something, church. When Jesus shows up and becomes the Lord of the house, it brings transformation. Come on, we're going to get the gospel into our homes, into our hearts. This isn't something we do on Sunday morning. This isn't just one day a week. It's seven days a week, 24 hours a day. He wants to get the gospel into our relationships, into our lives, and it brings transformation. And so I want to give you three areas, super practical today. Where we need the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I wanna invite you to take some notes. I say it every week, but if you don't have the redemption app, you can get that from our website. There's a spot in the app every week where you can take some notes. Three areas where we need the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Here's the first one it's marriage. Marriage. Come on, married people, are you ready? Here we go. Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 through 19. The Apostle Paul says, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Verse 19, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. All right, so let's address the elephant in the room. I know ladies, we're modern day people in the year 2021. Some of y'all are like, "Okay, pastor, where is the apostle Paul going with this? Is this really old school? Is this chauvinist? Like what's 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 going on here? I thought this was a contemporary church. You know, you wear skinny jeans like, "What's up?" We're going to explain this, okay? I want you to to get this. He says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. You can't miss that last part. See, what's happening is God is a God of order. And the apostle Paul's beginning to describe the order and the structure that God wants to bring into the family. So in other words, Paul is saying, come under the leadership of your godly husband and, and support him. This isn't meant to be domineering. This isn't about being controlling. This certainly isn't about who's the boss, because Paul's already made it very clear who the boss is. The boss is Jesus Christ. He's in control. And so get this right. Get Paul's heart here, okay? In other words, he's saying wives voluntarily show respect and honor to your husband because of your respect for the Lord. Not because you're a good Roman wife and this is what's expected of you and this is what you have to do. He actually changes it. He says, no, 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 no. you're going to do this as an act of love. You're going to honor and support your husband, show respect for him, honor his God-ordained leadership in the home as a reflection of your honor for Christ. And then Paul turns around and addresses the husbands in verse 19. He says, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Now, here's what's interesting. As modern-day people, when we read these two verses, the first one sounds countercultural to us, and the second one sounds easy to accept. But did you know in Paul's time it was the exact opposite? Nobody would have been shocked by him telling wives to submit to the leadership of husbands. But when he says, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them, this was absolutely countercultural. Because in ancient times, men didn't marry Uh, for love. Men married for for status and to produce legal heirs. So they didn't marry for love or for happiness or for sex or for romance. No. If a man wasn't happy with his wife, he could basically treat her however he wanted to. He could get a mistress. He could divorce her. He could do whatever. That was acceptable in the culture. And Paul comes along and says, not so fast. Not in a Christian household. You got to love your wife in a different way, from a different place, out of honor for Jesus Christ. And then we know what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 5. We can get a better idea of what's in Paul's mind and heart. Because in chapter 5 of Ephesians, Paul tells us that a husband is to love his wife as Christ loves the church. And how did Christ love the church? He gave himself up for her. He loved herself sacrificially. And so I think most wives would agree, I will follow a man who will give himself up for me, a man who believes I'm worth dying for. How many of you ladies could get behind a husband who has that kind of attitude in heart? Come on, how many single ladies could swipe right on a Christian brother who had that disposition on a dating app, for those of you who hadn't been in the dating game for a long time? How many of you would say, yeah, I could, I could get with a Christian brother who's willing to die for me and put me first? Any ladies, any single ladies would say amen to that. Come on now. Men, look around now. Church is a great place to find somebody. I'm just saying. All the single ladies. <laughs> Come on. I think, I think most Christian women would say, I, I wish my husband would lead more that way. I'd have no problem submitting to my husband's leadership if this is the kind of leadership he would practice in the home. Jesus-style leadership? Let me tell you, I have never had a wife call and complain to me and say, Pastor, I need to have an appointment with you because my husband, he's just being so much like Jesus, I have no idea what to do with him. I mean, he's just so self-sacrificial. He puts me first in everything. He thinks of me before everything. He puts the toilet seat down. He's just, I mean, we don't even know what to do. He prays so much. He's so much like Jesus, we don't even know what's happened to him. I have never had that happen. Now, I have had some wives call me and say, Pastor, I'm thinking about sending my husband to see Jesus. I'm thinking about poisoning him slowly over time to make it look like an accident and collect the life insurance policy. I'm just saying. My uh, life insurance policy was recently just paid. So if something happens to me that looks suspicious, you guys should definitely investigate Amy. I'm just saying. Look into that. If it doesn't look right, check, check that out. And so listen to me, church. I'm not going to shy away from saying that husbands should be leaders in the home, but men, can I just challenge you for a moment? We should be leading, but we should be leading in love. We should be demonstrating what it looks like to give of ourselves, to put our family first, to put our spouses first, to put our kids first. We should be demonstrating Jesus-style, self-sacrificial love. Come on, ladies. Pray for us. We need it. And we're going to fall short. Come on, wives, you're gonna fall short in showing honor and respect. Husbands, let's be honest, there are gonna be times when we're gonna fall short of, of this idea of self sacrificial love. But, but we, this is why we have to extend grace to each other. This is why we get grace into, into our homes. And so remember the big picture here, right? Paul is saying, he, he's giving husbands and wives a new picture of what it looks like to bring glory to God in the home. He's saying, don't, don't be married like all these Roman pagans. Don't be married like this. If you were writing us today, don't be married like everybody else is married today. I, I want you to recognize that your marriage is a picture of how Christ loved the church. There's nothing ordinary about your marriage. Your marriage is a picture, like you have marriage with, with a mission, like it matters. When you do this right, it reveals the glory of God. Because let me just tell you, we live in a culture that doesn't value marriage as much anymore. We live in a culture that where the divorce rates are high. So when two people love each other and serve each other and are committed to each other over the years self-sacrificially, how many of you know that still speaks to our culture? Come on, how many of you know that still gets some people's attention? It's a powerful witness. It's a powerful witness. And so we've got to get grace into, into our marriages. All right, here's the second one, number two. Let's talk about parenting. Where are the parents at? Come on, parents. Here's what Paul says. Colossians chapter 3, Verses 20 through 21. This is for the kids first. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. All the parents said, amen. Amen. Come on, children, obey your parents. Verse 21. Then he says, fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. So first of all, here's what, what, what Paul says. He says, when you honor your parents, it's a reflection that you're submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Come on, young people. Come on, kids. Tune into this. Come on, students. Tune into this. Remember the fifth commandment, right? Honor your mother and your father. Now, did you know that that is the first commandment that comes with a blessing? How many of you know that? That's the first promise in the Bible that comes with a blessing. The rest of the commandment says this. Honor your mother and father so that it will go well with you and you will live long in the land that I'm giving you. Now, when I was a kid, this verse was always easy for me to remember because I knew that if I didn't honor my mother and my father, I wasn't going to live long in the land because they were going to kill me. They made it very clear. We brought you into this world and we can take you out. Come on. How many of your parents ever said stuff like that to you, right? Come on. There was a few times my dad was spanking me that I had a glimpse of Jesus. I thought I might go see him. (laughs) I might might see him right about now. (laughs) But I want you to get this. This is so important. There's a blessing that comes when you honor your parents. And this isn't just on on, on the kids and the teenagers in the house. This is on all of us adults. Like, you never graduate from this, right? Like, it doesn't matter what your relationship is like right now. As an adult with your parents, it may be strained. You may not be as close to them as you used to, or you may have a great relationship with your parents. But let me just tell you, when you honor your parents, you do it out of honor for Jesus Christ. You do it as as an act of devotion to the Lord. And the scripture says there's a blessing that comes on your life. It's a blessing that comes on your life. So you might be working through some stuff with your parents right now, but let me encourage you to to honor them. And then Paul quickly goes to to the parents. He says, fathers, don't embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Now remember, the the fathers were the head of the house. um, And so this kind of lands on fathers first. But today, as modern day people, we might say, parents, don't embitter your children. Again, this is Totally countercultural for its time. The gospel is always ahead of its time. Because in Roman times, children were considered to be just little more than property. I mean, a father could do whatever he wanted with, with his children. And Paul says, don't parent that way. Don't parent like this fallen culture parents kids. Come on, let me say that to you today as modern day people. Don't parent like this fallen culture parents kids. I love, I love the way the message paraphrase puts this verse, verse 21. Here's what the message says. Parents, don't come down too hard on your children or you'll crush their spirits that's powerful isn't it you'll crush you'll crush their spirits in other words don't create an ad, an atmosphere in your home where your kids feel like they can never be good enough they can never be good enough they can never do enough they can never obey enough to win your Approval. Some of you grew up in a home like that where maybe even to this day you still feel like I can never be good enough. I can never do enough to have my parents' approval. And you still carry a hole in your heart because you got parented that way. Come on, the Apostle Paul would say parent out of Grace. Parent out of grace. Aren't you thankful that you didn't have to win the approval of Father God, but while you were yet a sinner, he sent Christ Jesus to die for you, and he approved of you first. He received you by his love when he sent his son Jesus for you, and that's what changed your heart. And Paul says, take that. Take the gospel and put that into your parenting. Show your kids that you love them unconditionally as Father God has loved you unconditionally. Come on, show your kids that they have your approval no matter what. You're going to love them no matter what. And watch how that unlocks their potential to become everything that God would have them to be. That's what Paul's saying. you got to get grace into into your parenting. And I'll be the first one to confess today as, as a parent that there have been times when I've been too hard. There have been times when I've been too harsh. There have been times when when I've crushed my kids' spirits, but I'm thankful every now and then for those little Holy Spirit convictions. Come on, parents, those little Holy Spirit reminders every now and then when He reminds me, speak life over your kids. Come on, don't just tell them what they haven't done. Don't just yell at them, oh, there's a time and place for that. But every now and then, you gotta speak life over your kids. Parents, you gotta call forth what God has placed on the inside of them, and you gotta speak it into reality over their lives. Come on, you gotta parent with grace you got to parent with grace. And let me just say this. Maybe some of you, you experienced a home where there was abuse or dysfunction or uh, abandonment or or neglect, and and maybe there's some wounds there for you because that was the only parenting style you ever knew, and so it makes you feel a little bit less confident as a parent because, you know, the truth is we all feel inadequate as parents because we're all making it up as we go. Come on, how many of you know that's true? We're all all learning on the job. But I know for some of you, you came from a home where there wasn't that kind of godly, healthy parenting model to you. And sometimes you feel insecure in that. And sometimes maybe you find yourself even repeating some of those mistakes. Come on, I want to speak a word to set you free today. I want to tell you it doesn't have to be that way. The power of the the gospel is powerful. The gospel is redemptive. You can break that cycle in your generation. Come on, you can break that cycle in your home. It doesn't have to be that way. Every curse is broken in Christ Jesus. Let me just tell you, most of you guys know that my, my parents, I grew up in a pastor's home. My parents were pastors for 50 years, and, and, and you, know, you hear that part of the story, oh, isn't that wonderful? But you know my mother grew up in an abusive home. My mother, she, my, my grandfather, who I never knew on my mom's side, was a very abusive man, verbally abusive, physically abusive. Um, The kids in the neighborhood used to call him Hitler. Seriously, he would get so mad and lose his his temper and rage, and he was kind of known for that. But come on, I want to encourage you this morning. I want to tell you that cycle was broken in my home. I didn't live in a home like that because the gospel is powerful, and so you don't have to repeat the same old broken patterns, and that's a word for somebody in this place today that the gospel is redemptive, and there's power in the blood of Jesus, and he can change that to where it's never the same, and your kids never have to live like that. Amen, Come on. And so if you want your kids to know Jesus, the number one way they're going to see him, parents, is in you. You got to know that today. You got to know that today. We can put them in Redemption Kids. We can get them connected to Redemption Students. We want them in all of those places. You can, you can make them read their Bible. That's wonderful. But the number one place they're looking to see Jesus is in you you. And so God, give us grace to do this right. God, we don't want to parent like everybody else. Now, don't hear me wrong. Should we have some expectations? Absolutely. Should we, should we have some tough love in the home? Absolutely. Should you be tr- teaching and training your kids in the word of God? Yeah, I wish some parents would, would parent stronger, but let's do it with grace. Amen? Let's do it with grace. And then here's the third thing. Let's talk about the workplace. And I, I know for some of you, you're not married or you're not necessarily a parent, but I want you to there's, there's something in here for everybody today. Let's talk about the workplace. Now, we have to apply this a little bit creatively because remember, we're, we're reading this ancient context. So let's look at this. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Look at verse 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart As working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favor to them. In other words, don't abuse the grace of God. Okay, so let's talk about the workplace. Now, first of all, let's say this again. Paul is neither condoning or condemning slavery. He's speaking, he's injecting the gospel into the Roman household, right? He's speaking to the reality of the context that he was living in. In fact, later on in chapter four of Colossians, Paul mentions a man who lived there named Onesimus, who was one of the believers in Colossae. And in fact, Onesimus was a runaway slave. How do we know that? Well, Paul wrote another letter letter called Philemon. And you guys recognize that name? That's another book of the Bible. Philemon is a letter that accompanied the Colossians. When he sent a letter, he sent two letters, one to all the Colossians and one specifically addressed to a man named Philemon who lived in the city of Colossae, who was part of that church. And he was Onesimus's master. And so I would encourage you as a follow-up to reading uh, Colossians, go ahead and read Philemon this week. It's one chapter really short, and it's a beautiful Here's what happened. Onesimus was a runaway slave. And can you imagine what the punishment was in, in those times for a runaway slave? He could have done whatever he wanted to him. He could have had him put to death. And so here's what Paul says to Philemon. He says, I want you to receive Onesimus back, but not as a runaway slave, not as your property, but as a brother in Christ. See, the gospel changes everything. So Paul was doing something so subtle here because we want him to just say slavery is completely wrong. But what he was doing, he was sneaky. He was getting the gospel down into the culture, planting it like a ticking time bomb that eventually would begin to, to set people's hearts free so that people would see each other differently, even in the context of masters and slaves. Now, obviously, we don't live in that context of slaves and masters. So, you know, But, but I think we can allow what Paul's saying to shape our relationships in the workplace. Come on, some of the most important relationships you have in your life are in the workplace. People you're working alongside, maybe you have a boss or a supervisor, or you are the boss or supervisor, or you're working with a team of people. You spend hours of your life, right, working with with these people, and so we want to get the gospel into our relationships, because how many of you have a coworker that drives you nuts? And you'd say, yes, pastor, I need to get the gospel into that relationship. Exactly. So let's talk about this, okay? Verses 23 and 24. Look at this again. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, whatever your employment is, whatever your career is, whatever your job training is, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Come on, we talked about this last week, right? Like Paul's putting purpose into the work we do. Whatever you do, remember last week's message, whatever you do, if you're a teacher, teach for the glory of God. If you're a financial manager, manage, manage finances for the glory of God. If you're a construction, work, construction worker, build something for the glory of God. Paul says, whatever it is that you do, because you're in Christ, there's a shift in the way you see your work. You work as unto the Lord. Whatever I'm doing, I'm doing for God. Why is that? Because I belong to God. That's what Paul says, I I belong to God. You may be working for a boss who seems like a slave driver. You may be working for a company that you don't even necessarily like. You may be in your dream job or maybe you're in a dead-end job. Maybe you're in 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 a company that has a very healthy culture or a company that has a really toxic culture. Paul says, whatever your circumstances are, come on, he's writing to even slaves. This is what I love about the gospel. It doesn't come into perfect circumstances. The gospel meets you in whatever circumstances you find yourself in right now. It comes to you, and he says there's new purpose in the way you see your work, the way you do your work, because everything, every part of your life is lived for an audience of one. It's for God. And so you work as an excellent worker. Come on, how many of you know your example at work makes a difference? It's hard for you to share Jesus if your work doesn't speak for itself, if people don't respect the way you work. And so he says whatever you do, whatever your career is, you got to know that that your your work matters because you belong to God, and then this is the good part Here, here's the blessing verse twenty four since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. In other words, I live for God. I belong to God. I have a greater purpose. God, you see me and you're going to reward my work. Come on, I want to speak to somebody today who feels unseen at work. Some of you would say, but Pastor Jeremy, I've been at my job for years and they should have given me that promotion a long time ago. They should have given me that raise a long time ago. They haven't seen my my full value. They haven't rewarded me the way I should be rewarded. I want to encourage you today. God sees you. You belong to Him. Your work is as unto Him and he's the one who's going to reward you. And how many of you know you cannot put a price tag on the blessing of God upon your life? You cannot put a price tag on that. And so if you feel unseen, I want you to know he's the God who sees you. He's the God who sees you. You just be faithful. You be faithful. And the blessing of God is on your life. And then Paul flips it around in Colossians 4 verse 1. He says, masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. For every relationship, there's an A, B, right? Workers, like uh, slaves, owners, right? Here's, here's the deal. We can't relate to the whole slave owner thing, but many of you are employers. Many of you are owners. Many of you are the boss. You're the manager, right? God has put you in that, in that position. And so here's what I think Paul would say to us today. Show people the value and the dignity and respect that God showed to you in Christ Jesus. Come on, he didn't just put you in that place of influence for no reason at all. He put you in that place of influence for a reason. Come on, I'm I'm speaking to somebody today. We have This is is Westchester. We have a lot of business leaders in our church. We have a lot of leaders in education. A lot of you are leaders in your, your field. God's given you a sphere of influence. He didn't give you that position just so you could get a raise. He didn't give you that position just so you could make more money. He gave you that position because you have a place of influence. And you may be the only Jesus that those people see. And so he's saying treat them with dignity, treat them with love, treat them with with respect. If ever there was a time when we need that in the workplace right now where people are stressed out, people are going through so much, you have no idea how God may just use your kindness, your gentleness, the way you treat people with respect and honor, I'm going to tell you, you can make a difference you can make a difference. God's given you a place of of influence for a reason. And so church, let me remind you today, the way you relate to the people closest to you is a reflection of how Christ relates to you. And how did Christ relate to you? He related to you by his love. He related to you by his grace. He related to you by his mercy. He related to to you in the sin, in the the shame of your your brokenness and your sins. And he made you new. He's making you into something new and and, and beautiful. And I want you to know that what God is doing in you isn't just for you. It's for someone else. Come on, hear me today. This is what Paul is saying. What God is doing in you. It's not just for you, it's for someone else. If, if, if you're married husbands, it's for your wife. Wife, it's Wives, it's for your husbands. If you're a parent, it's for, your, it's for your kids. If you're a son or a daughter, it's for the way you honor your parents. It's for your family relationships. It's for your sphere of influence. It's in the, it's in the workplace. It's in the classroom. It's wherever you are, the people around you, what God is doing in you. It's not just for you, it's for someone else. And I want to just circle back to the family thing for just a moment. As I was praying over this message last night, something just dropped in my spirit. I thought about my own upbringing, you know, growing up with my parents. and Because we get so caught up sometimes in thinking that success for a family is if I have a bigger house or if I live in the right neighborhood or if I drive the right car or if I can take my kids on a certain kind of vacation or if I can get my kids into a private school. All of those things are wonderful. But let's be honest, we get a little bit of that going on around here where people are just getting a little bit too caught up in that. Just a little bit in Westchester and Connecticut. Just a little bit, you know what I'm saying? But I got to thinking about, we get so caught up in that stuff, and I thought about my own childhood, you know. By today's standards, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. And we had a nice house. We, we never missed a meal. We had everything we needed. But I can tell you, like, there are things that my kids get to do, opportunities my kids have that I never dreamed of. They did go places and do things I never got to do. We didn't have a whole lot of money growing up. But let me tell you something. We had the presence of God in our home. We had the presence of God in our home. And we had parents who weren't perfect, they didn't have a perfect marriage but we knew they loved each other and we knew they loved us and you know what they didn't they may not have had all the money in the world but the best legacy they ever left is four boys who are in the house of God serving God in ministry still being used by God come on how many of you want that and I want to honor my parents maybe they're watching online today I want to honor them that that's a legacy that's isn't that what we want I want you to to get this today. The most important thing about you isn't isn't how much money you make or what kind of house you you, you live in. Those are the things our culture gets, gets caught up in. The most important thing about you is that God put purpose over your life. He wants to use you to reveal his glory. And when we do this in our homes, when it starts with your marriage, when it starts with your kids, when it starts with the relationships closest to you, you can reveal God's glory to someone. You get submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The grace that he's poured into your heart overflows to touch somebody else because what he's done for you isn't just for you. It's for someone else. And so church, I want to end this series with that. All that we've learned over the past few weeks as we've gotten our eyes on Jesus, as we've lifted up Jesus, a higher view of Jesus, as we've gotten fresh perspective. Come on, everything that Christ is and everything that he's done for you doesn't stop with you. He gave it to you to put it through you for the blessing to overflow to someone else in your life. The gospel's powerful. It'll change your family. It'll change generations. It'll change change your life. Not just on Sundays, but seven, days a week. Amen? Amen. Come on, stand with me. We're going to pray into that. How many of you want that today? Come on, how many of you say, Pastor, pray with me? Come on, we're praying and we're believing for God to do a work in our homes. How many of you want to be more fully submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in in your home? Now, stay locked in for just a minute, okay? Maybe if you're married today, you want to grab your spouse by the hand. Maybe if your kids are in here, you want to put put your arm around each other. I know a lot of us, our kids are in in the kids' ministry today. Whether they're with you or not, you're representing for your kids. But listen, maybe there's some forgiveness that needs to happen in the house today. Come on. Maybe there's some forgiveness that needs to happen in the house today. Maybe there's a little grace we got to give to each other. Come on, maybe there's some wives you got to recommit to this, this honoring and giving respect to your husband. Husbands, we, we need God's grace to love our wives self-sacrificially. I know we, I know we fall short so often. Maybe there's some grace and some, some forgiveness that needs to happen. Come on, kids. When I say kids, that's all of us who have parents who are still alive. Come on, we got to get committed to honoring our earthly parents as a reflection of our honor for our Heavenly Father. Amen? Parents, we need God's help to parent with grace. We mess up sometimes, but thank God for his, his grace and his goodness. And then all of us in the workplace and the people we work with and the people we have an opportunity to influence, the people we interact with, we want to be used by Jesus to reveal his love to reveal the glory of God. Amen. Do you want that? Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that it's powerful, that it's alive, that it speaks to our hearts today. And Lord, today we declare that we are submitted to your lordship, that you are the boss, you are in control. We want what you want for our lives. We want what you want for our homes, for our relationships, for our marriages, for our kids, for our workplace relationships, for every relationship around us, God. We invite you into our marriages, God pray for marriages today, for grace to flow today, for conversations that are long overdue to be had, for forgiveness to be extended. Father, we pray for parents today, for grace to parent the way you parented us, Father God, when you adopted us by your son, Jesus Christ, to extend that grace to our kids, to speak words of life over them, and in the workplace to honor you to recognize that we're not just doing a job, but we're doing it as unto you. And God, you're the one who sees us. You're the one who's going to bless us. You're the one who's going to reward us, God. Let us be used by you to reveal your glory. Father, do it in our hearts. Take this word, God. Seal it in our hearts, and may we experience transformation and never be the same. In Jesus' name, if you believe it and receive it, would you say amen? Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.